Good evening and welcome to our special Christmas carol service. It's good that you're here and we're going to have some of our well-known and traditional carols. Uh, the service should flow through. The readers who take part will come up in the last verse of uh, each carol and we'll proceed through with the service. What we're going to do in a moment so that you don't uh, panic, we can have the lights put out and then there's candles round the church which will be lit. We'll start with the Advent candle, the first, and then in, in a symbolic form, seeing light coming into the darkness. Powerful symbol of Christ's coming into our world. So we'll have the lights out now. Thank you. We light this fourth Advent candle to remind us of our calling to reflect the light of Jesus in this dark world. Jesus said, you are the world's light. Let your light shine in the sight of men. Let them see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. So the candles will be lit. Various people have been allocated to do so at the windows and in the front. As that happens, may I remind you that this is the day that the Lord has made. He calls us to be glad and rejoice in it. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So as we think of the light shining in the darkness we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus. May we use this service as a preparation for Christmas and although we sing these familiar carols let's pray for God's spirit to make them real and vibrant to us in our Christian experience. So we're going to begin and our first carol is once in Royal David City and we will have the descant pulsating through and enjoy that and uh, participate. <coughs>
a moment we're going to pray to ask God's blessing on our service together. I should have introduced uh, Krish Kandar, who's part of the leadership team in Cornerstone, in Tame, part of our uh, church plant. And uh, it's good that uh, throughout this service we have participation from both churches, working together, seeing God's kingdom extend and increase. Well, this is a good time to ask for God's help and to seek his grace as, as we come to him. So may we pray now. So we take just a moment to be still in God's presence. <coughs> Living Lord, we thank you as we celebrate this Christmas time for calling Mary to be the mother of Jesus in a world where men were in control. You chose a young girl to nurture the saviour of the world in a world where power was absolute. You turned values upside down. So we share in this great work of redemption. Lord, sometimes your choice surprises us. The way you point seems to daunt us. Help us throughout this service to say yes when you call, even though we might be surprised. So would you enlarge our vision, not of ourselves but of you, of your all-sufficient grace. Emmanuel, God with us, show us where you may be found today in each human family, in joy, in relentless tragedy, in treasured babes and homeless families. Emmanuel, we rejoice that you are with us in everything and through everything. Lord Jesus, be born in us today. Word of God become flesh in us that we might live out this light and shine in a dark world. Lead us in thanksgiving now we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Our second carol, O Little Town, Bethlehem. Thank you. 
birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn.
Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 21. The shepherds and the angels. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, and on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured them up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
The visit of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route.
I wonder what your three words to describe Christmas would be. In our family, around lunchtime, is there more? (laughs) Maybe when the kids are opening the presents, it's, what, no Xbox? (laughs) But I wonder if for some of us, your three words are, is that it? Is that it? See, I love Christmas. I look forward to Christmas all year, it seems. My son, Joel, he's ten, and he's so looking forward to Christmas that he might use a cunning plan to make sure that he wakes up early on Christmas morning. Kids, I don't recommend you try this, but you could drink four pints of water before you go to bed. (laughs) Apparently that's guaranteed to wake you up at 4am and get a head start on Christmas. When Christmas is over and all the presents have been unwrapped and the Christmas dinner's been eaten, the Queen's speech has been watched, and you sit there and you think, is that it for another year? Is that all it was? See, Christmas for me is a little bit like going to McDonald's. I love going to McDonald's. I love standing there in the queue, picking out on the menu what I'm going to eat, thinking about this humongous hunk of meat with a little bit of lettuce and extra layers of cholesterol, I mean cheese, built in to the burger. Oh, it's great. And I love it when they serve you with such a polite smile. (laughs) And then as I'm kind of walking back to the uh, the table where I'm going to eat it all, and I'm getting excited, the juices are flowing in my mouth. And about probably 45 seconds later, after I've finished my meal, (laughs) I begin to feel all disgusting inside. And I don't know if it's just my imagination, but I can actually feel the cholesterol clogging up my veins. And it's a near miracle that I make it to the door without having a coronary. But the anticipation was great, but the actual end product was pretty poor. Is that all that Christmas is? Just the anticipation, but when it comes, it's a big letdown. Is that it? So the anticipation we feel is a longing for something more than any human Christmas can ever deliver for us. See, Christmas is is a little bit like the wardrobe in the book The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. It's supposed to be a portal between two worlds, this world that we know and the world to come. Uh, maybe you've experienced it in other, in other places. Maybe it's been uh, uh, you know, holding a baby in your arms for the very first time. Or watching as you travel through the Chilterns on the railway and you see the sun rising over snow-covered fields. There's something in it, isn't there, that draws us to something more than we see. C.S. Lewis described it as a, as a longing or a homesickness for somewhere we've never been yet. And Christmas is a little bit like that. It draws us to something more, more to the life than we know already. But sometimes we miss it. I had a dog once, and his name was Brady. He was a beautiful white dog. He was a baked bean kind of dog. You know, 57 varieties of (laughs) dogs were uh, involved in his ancestry. And uh, we, we found him in Albania when we lived there. And uh, my wife rescued him. We'd just had the conversation about why we were never going to get a dog while we were out there. And there was a kind of car accident outside. And this tiny little puppy needs to be rescued. And so my wife rescued this dog. 
And we, we brought him up and we fed him in our house. And there was a time when our landlord visited us and we didn't know the Albanian for, we've got a dog, is that okay? So we hid the dog in a cupboard <laughs> and, and tried to cough every time the dog barked. Anyway, we took the dog on holiday with us once and we went up to the mountains of Albania. And you've got to imagine this scene. You've got beautiful snow-covered mountains and a, an icy blue lake. And it was one evening and the sun was setting and it was just this golden ball of flame setting into this kind of crystal blue lake. It was absolutely beautiful. And Miriam and I were sat there, well, stood there, looking at this thing with our mouths wide open. We just couldn't, couldn't drink it in enough. It was amazing. We felt connected to the God that had made the universe in this moment of beauty. But do you know what our dog was doing during this epiphany moment that we were having? Our dog was sniffing along by the side of the lake, looking for rats to eat. Now, I tried to engage Brady, my dog, with the sunset. <laughs> Brady, yeah, check out the sunset. It's beautiful. You know, look over there. It's just gorgeous, isn't it? And do you know what Brady, my dog, was looking at when I was pointing at the sunset? He was looking at my finger. <laughs> he couldn't get the idea that I was pointing to something else. All he was fixed on was my finger. Wherever my finger went, his nose went. That's a bit like that with Christmas. Christmas is pointing you towards something else. A God that really exists that loves you, that wants relationship with you, that sends his son into the world. But many of us just get fixed on the Christmas, on the tinsel and the turkey and the tree. That's all it is for many of us. I want to take you on a really short journey, hopefully to the heart of Christmas, and to show you three words that the Bible uses to summarise the Christmas story. It's a familiar story. It's a reading that we haven't had yet this evening. It's the story of Jesus' birth told through the eyes of Joseph. Let me read it to you. It's in Matthew's Gospel. It says this, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. It's a strange thing, this, isn't it? We often think that Christmas is great for kids. We love the nativity play, you know, where the kids have got um, bits of coat hanger twisted into a halo on top of their heads. You know, some of them can pick up Radio 5 on their teeth when they do that. I think it's all about, you know, kids and isn't it gorgeous and lovely? Well, actually, this is a gritty story, isn't it? This is a story about where sex was taking place. Had sex taken place outside of the bounds of marriage? Because if it had, then Joseph should divorce his betrothed before they get to the final wedding ceremony. This isn't a kid's story, is it? This is a very adult story. And this story rings of truth. This isn't a fairy tale. This is exactly what would have happened, wouldn't it? Here's a man of honour, trying to protect his honour, trying not to let anyone know that his, his betrothed, his fiancée, has betrayed him. And so he makes plans to make a divorce. But, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, 
Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. It's going to take a miracle for Joseph to believe that his wife has not been unfaithful to him. And so an angel appears to him in a dream. And it's not just a dream because he had too much cheese before he went to bed. This is a real encounter with God. And it changes Joseph's life. There's a bit of help that Joseph is given. As, as many parents, uh, or first parents, have to struggle with a major problem of what to name the baby. You know, you'd think after nine months, us parents-to-be would, would have this thing nailed, wouldn't we? We'd, we'd have worked it out in the first six months, maybe. But many of us, oh, we struggled. We read all the books and we watch all those uh, names at the end of TV programmes just to see, you know, that would be a good name, you know. Uh, best Boy, no, I mean, the, the name of the director or, you know, the name of some of the actors. You're looking for any inspiration you can get. And I remember as a parent, I was thinking, I want a name for my son that no one will pick on him in the, in the playground. So I thought of calling my son Thor. <laughs> I mean, who's going to mess with someone called Thor? It's a tough name, right? Or I thought, well, I, I, we could think of a name that would, would, would give my son a kind of head start in life. So we thought of calling him Doctor. <laughs> that would be useful, wouldn't it? Names can get you into all sorts of trouble, but... But Joseph and Mary don't have to worry about a name. They are told a name by the angel. And this name is going to explain not just who Jesus is, but, but what he was coming to do. The name Jesus literally means God to the rescue, or Jehovah is salvation. Right from the beginning, they knew this baby was going to be different. He had supernatural parentage. But he had a, a mission in life. He was going to save his people from their sins. This Christmas story is so precious because all of us have a problem with sin. All of us know it almost intrinsically deep inside us that there is a problem. That you and I are not ready to meet God. You and I have failed God's standards. We know that by what we've thought about by what we've said, by what we've done, by what we haven't done when we ought to have done. We know we fall short of God's standards. In fact, the Bible tells us that every single human being has fallen short of God's standards, except one, Jesus, the one supernaturally born, came into the world to live the life that you and I should have lived and then die the death that you and I should die for the way that we've abused our responsibilities, the ways that we've turned our back on God and his plans for our lives. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin would be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Those are the three words the Bible uses, I think, to summarise Christmas. God with us. God has come to this planet to live amongst us, 
And it's not he's come to tell us off. It's not that he's come to make us feel bad. He's come for us. He came to rescue us, to to get us out of the mess that we've got ourselves in. God is with us. He's present with us, but he's on our side. He's come for us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And she gave him the name Jesus. There's a story told of a, of a woman driving home late one night. And it's completely dark outside. And she's on a, a, a road that's really dark and lonely. And she stops to get some petrol. And uh, she puts some petrol in the car and then drives on into the darkness. And as she leaves the petrol station, another car who'd been at the petrol station begins to follow her down the road and begins to get really close up behind her, shining his lights really brightly and beeping his horn. And she's getting scared and scared. And so she drives faster and this pursuer drives after her more and more. And she's getting more nervous and it's a dark night and she doesn't know what to do. And in the end, she pulls over to the side of the road. And her pursuer gets out of the car and she's terrified, wondering what is going to happen. And she winds the window down and she says, and the man says, get out of the car. And she gets out of the car. And the man says, I saw someone when you were at the petrol station get into the back of your car. And I've come to rescue you. I've come to save you. And she's so relieved. Many of us think that God came into the world to punish us, to chase us, to judge us, to make us feel bad about the way we're living. That is not the case. Jesus was sent into the world to rescue us. This Christmas, don't run from God. He's chasing after you because he wants you in right relationship. He's pursuing you Because he wants to rescue you from a fate that is literally worse than death. That is why God came. He came to save you. He came that you might have life and have it to the full. You've come really close tonight to something really, really precious. And yet it's possible that you could walk away and miss the point completely. It could be like my dog focusing on the finger instead of seeing what it's pointing to. It's quite a dangerous position to be in, actually. To come this close to something so precious, something so life-transforming, and yet to walk away. Be careful. When my son was uh, three and a half years old, uh, we found a toy. It was a gorgeous little toy. It was a little mobile phone. And um, it's a plastic one. It opened up. You couldn't phone anyone, so it was great. And um, you know, but it, it kind of did all the all the rest. You know, and it made little noises, and it was beautiful. So we let my son play with it every time he came in the car. We just let him play with it all the time. It was great. He loved it. He was talking to friends and all sorts. One day, I took a closer look at the phone, and uh, it had one of those kind of big, long, stubby antenna things. You know, the ones on the old phones. And, uh, you know, I was just playing around and and I pressed it. As I pressed the antenna in, a six-inch flame burst out of the other side of the phone. My son 
for about a year and a half, had been playing with a lighter. It's amazing we managed to foster and adopt children. (laughs) We hadn't twigged that this was a lighter. We just thought it was something harmless, you know? Little toy phone, fantastic. Do you know how we felt when the six-inch flame shot out? Like we did a rewind in our heads of all the times he'd been playing with it in the back of the car. He'd come this close. I missed it. You have something far more important, something far more exciting, actually something far more dangerous at stake tonight. You're this close to the truth that God loves you, wants you in relationship, wants to adopt you into his family, wants you to call him dad, wants to turn your life upside down in a good way, wants to draw you to live for him, to love him, to worship him. You're this close to it. You've sung great truth. You've heard words from God's word. What will you do? What will you do this Christmas? My prayer for you and your family is that you have a wonderful Christmas time. I pray you're safe on the roads. I pray you have a great meal. I pray it's a time of great, great celebration. But I pray too that you come to know the God that calls you. The God that says, I have come to save my people from their sins. Let's pray, shall we, just for a moment. Father God, amidst the busyness and the bustle of Christmas, amidst all the shopping for food and presents, amidst all the travel preparations that we need to make, Lord, we want to see you. We want to know you better. We want to know that Christmas is about God with us. God on our side. God chasing after us to rescue us from danger. And Lord, I pray for everybody here and every family represented. I pray for the joy and the blessed time that Christmas is to be true in in every family here. But Lord, I pray that the truth of Christmas, the message of a God who loves us, would really speak to each heart in this room. And for those of us that have claimed to know you for many years, Lord, make it afresh for us. Would we not just go through the motions and sing the same old songs? Help it to be a fresh time of knowing you. And Lord, for those of us here that have been polite enough to come because a friend's invited or we're supporting family members, Lord, would they know something of your goodness, something of your love, Something about the truth of Christmas, that you love us enough to send your son to die for the sins of the world, to save your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
as we remain standing, we're going to share in the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all, evermore. Amen. Please be seated.